Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Thank you for joining me on this sports podcast where we have a lot of great, great football talk ahead with a couple heavy-hitting guests to do just that. First up, it's Matt Gothard. He's at Yahoo Sports, hosts a show called Mad Bets, The Gold Rush. He's really versed in the gambling world, and we're going to talk college football as he prepares to head to Vegas. We break down the board, Ohio State, Penn State, headline a, uh, a week that might look on the surface like there's not as many big matchups but we got a lot to discuss Alabama and Clemson against big spreads as well what we like what we don't like we break it all down in the world of college football and then my buddy Ryan Souls checks in from Chicago we're almost halfway through the NFL season we're, we're getting there we're more than a quarter less than a half so we are we are flying through this season we talk about Tom Brady Antonio Brown signing with the Bucks the bad NFC East. The Browns are 5-2, and two, but still in third place in a loaded AFC North. A lot of pro football discussion with Ryan Souls also, who looks like the MVP so far. It's the Money Mitch Effect Football Edition, and it starts right now. All right, nothing like a good old-fashioned college football betting talk segment on the Money Mitch Effect. So we're dialing it up old school getting ready to break down all the action from Yahoo Sports, the host now of a lot of different stuff. I really like the gold rush. I really like all the stuff he's doing. Matt Gothard on the show. Matt, welcome back. Thanks, buddy. 2020 has been a hell of a year, you know, with uh, COVID, random mashup of sports games. But, you know, on a week that I'm going to Vegas, they can't hold me back from being on your pod. It's, it's, it's a must. It's an absolute must. I was going to save that part. I was going to save that part about you going to <laughs> Vegas, but uh, no, now that the cat's I'm going to Vegas. It's, I can't and, hide it. I can't and, hold it down. Well, we got to get the expert for Mad Bets, you one of the, the, the feature, you know, in front of the camera person. We're going to get you on the record before for uh, some of the, uh, you know, some of the lesser games because, you know, I, I do I, I do appreciate what you're doing. And I know there's, you know, time and, and effort and you got to just pick your, pick your spots here. But we're open-ended here, so we're going to dive into the mud, into the games that you got to search actively to find on TV. That's where the real value is. I love it. That's why That's why we do it, man. That's why It's hard to get people to click on Coastal Carolina versus Georgia State, and uh, this is the perfect forum to talk about those type of games. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up that one in particular because I don't know anybody, <laughs> definitely in this state, definitely in this time zone, I'll say, that had more of an interest <laughs> in that one than you. It's up there, man. Coastal Carolina this year has been the, uh, you know, I don't want to, we don't need to jump right into it too early, but they've been kind of a, a moneymaker, you know, 5-0, uh, 3-0 in the fun belt. That's, uh, you know, you got to get it how you can get it in 2020. Absolutely. Uh, before we get to college football, which we're going to spend the, the most, uh, obviously most of everything here talking on this segment, uh, what would be the college football equivalent to trusting a computer to just basically take out your pitcher in a World Series must-win game? Oh, well, I think college football has seen it more than anybody else. That's why we got rid of the BCS. Like, the BCS was <laughs> yeah. the epitome of why the computer isn't right. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure... We don't have Kent here with us to tell me how stupid I am, but I'm pretty sure that's why we did away with that. Right, right. I was, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're exactly right. And I also think it might be bleeding into the fact of maybe NFL as well, but teams that just trust their chart over when to go for two, when to go for it on fourth down. 
And uh, I think as we've seen, that's kind of been an issue in the last couple of weeks where it hasn't worked out for those teams. I just think, look, I mean, this is my big spiel on all this stuff, Matt, is that analytics and information like this provide a lot of insight that wasn't available 20, 30 years ago. And you can continually data mine and find stats that will help your team win. But if you rely on it completely, you just end up with a team that is pretty bland, doesn't really have a lot of fight, and is just kind of, you know, in, in the sense that they're not giving their, getting their chance to really just make the plays and, and put themselves in the position to win. So you can trust, you know, info, but you got to use your eyes at some point. you got to have a feel for the game, and uh, I think that transcends across all sports. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not a big analytics guy because it takes A, self-control, which I don't have, and B, consistency, which I'm just not good at. And people that are into analytics are the same people that are like, I bet $50 every game, every single time, no matter what. It doesn't matter my confidence level. I'm always betting the same unit amount. That ain't me, and I'm definitely not taking my pitcher out if he's killing it in Game 6 of the World Series. So I guess, you know, I couldn't be a coach. I can't be a professional gambler, yeah. but, you know, here we are. <laughs> So I guess shout out to the Dodgers for winning the World Series on that on that spiel. And uh, yeah, those people that bet $50 every game, every single time, those are also the, and I almost wanted to say losers, but I'm not because I'm trying to turn over a new leaf now. But they're the people that don't even watch the games. Like, how are you yes. not going to at least kind of enjoy it a little bit, you know? I, that's... That's where I'm at. Uh, speaking of enjoying it, last week, just to do a little recap, we got the Big Ten back <laughs> mostly going forward. I just want to start with this. I know I'm, I'm pumped that Ohio State came back, won, they beat Nebraska, they took care of business. It was just great to see them again. But, man, Matt, I cannot believe the – I can't remember the time I've seen a game and had more fun watching a game I didn't really care about, like Penn State, Indiana. That was nuts. Yeah, I mean, as a guy that had Penn State minus six and a half, uh, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as you did, but uh, it was definitely quite the experience to see the, you know, we saw twice this weekend uh, a player score on accident that ended up in their team losing. Uh, I think it was Penn State and then also the Falcons. But, I, I, you know, I told, I told a friend today, if you give up a 90-yard touchdown drive, in the last minute to Indiana, like you don't even get to go to overtime. You, you just lost. Like that's a loss. Can you remember a play as close to who won the game? I know at that point you were kind of cooked, you know, in terms of your bet, but the two point conversion that won the game for Indiana, I mean, that's about as close as it gets. And that was the epitome of if it's called on the field, it's standing. Yeah. I mean, as a Penn state better, the second that Indiana came out for two, I was like, okay, well I've lost. And then they, <laughs> they called it a touchdown. I was like, good. Good. They, uh, you know, you start good. rooting against that's the team. That's nothing better that you... than that, right? I hate root <laughs> against a team that screwed you. Like, good, lose. <laughs> and there's like another aspect of that when you're like been rooting for Penn State to kill Indiana the whole game, and then Indiana down eight comes down and scores a touchdown, and all of a sudden you're cheering harder than you've ever cheered for Penn, for Indiana to get the two point conversion. Nothing swings your emotions and your and who you're rooting for uh, quite like sports betting. I was going to say, you know, I, I can't remember a call that close, and I remembered it just me and you on here. And uh, if we had our buddy, if we had our buddy Kent Brown, he'd probably bring up some, you know, moment, you know, 20 years ago and tell what, what high school that kid went to. So kind of glad right. it's just us two this time. Yeah. Yeah. So Kent's here with, with us in spirit, you know? He is. He is. Although he was obviously happy, not a Penn State fan at all, that uh, Indiana won. Uh, I, before we move on to this next week, I guess this this is segment just going to be let's uh, let's throw out some mean spirited thoughts about the Big Ten for a second. Uh, Ohio State, I took him in the first half as I know you did foolishly 
we kind of misread that one. Full game ended up being the play, especially as they ran up the score a little bit at the end. Uh, do you want to take a moment and uh, talk about Michigan State, or do we want to just move on? No, I mean, we could talk about Michigan State, but I do think we need to take a moment because I gave out uh, Ohio State first half um, on Twitter, and some some morons is the nice word that I'll use from Nebraska – uh, tagged at old takes exposed because I said that this game wouldn't be competitive. And I don't know what game they were watching. I don't know what game uh, anybody was watching that thinks that Nebraska looked good in that game, but that was uh, a blowout. It was such a blowout that the head coach is calling the other head coach to apologize for scoring too much. That's the epitome of not competitive. So yeah, I guess it didn't hit the first half, but Nebraska definitely wasn't competitive in that game sorry i had to get that out there i'm sure those people aren't even listening to this but it's you know you gotta you gotta rant you you do have to rant i mean you're not (laughs) you're not gonna get every pick right and uh hey if you are listening out there don't take it offensive if anybody picks against your team it's not personal yeah well and speaking (laughs) of that that's why I didn't bet on Michigan State. That's why I didn't even touch that game. Minus 14. I mean, there's real humans in the world that, that laid 14 points with Michigan State uh, against Rutgers. And I don't know, unless you just really thought Michigan State still had Mark D'Antonio and and a quarterback that somehow is able to throw the ball and uh, you know all these things that Michigan State doesn't have. I could see maybe laying 14 points. But I, you know, that's one of those days where I'm just like, man, I dodged a major bullet here. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty disappointing. I mean... I think there's some dark times ahead for Spartan fans and I, uh, you know, for, for my Vegas trip, it's the best thing possible because I'm obviously going to bet the game. Michigan State's coming in as a low, uh, a low team. Michigan blew out Minnesota on prime time. So it uh, could be something to look at there, but we, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, bad, bad game for Michigan State, man. I don't see, uh, I don't see a whole lot of reason to be, I'm just glad we got D'Antonio out of there, man. He's, he was the problem. <laughs> I can I can sense the sarcasm, uh, just <laughs> pointing that out there. Uh, I do have questions about Mel Tucker, um, you know, his qualifications, getting the job, what he's walking into. I do think Rutgers under Shiano, term two, is a solid team. He's got them playing, you know, pretty straightforward football. He knows their limitations, so I don't think he's a guy that's going to lose to or, or be unprepared for teams that you know he can compete with um, when he gets to that next level it's a different story the Ohio State's of the world but yeah Michigan State situation is not looking great so I don't want to I don't want to bring you down there uh, but speaking of bringing everybody down I think we should address the Wisconsin thing so Wisconsin's not going to play for at least one week Nebraska that game is postponed Mertz looked great at quarterback and then came down with the COVID test 21 day quarantine policy is the reason it is the rule in the Big Ten Here's my short short answer to this, short statement on this, Matt. The Big Ten messed up. They messed up because they had a good schedule with built-in bye weeks, like the SEC, like the ACC and the Big 12. That gave them flexibility, and they panicked. They came out with this schedule. They have no margin for error, and it could cost them dearly. Yeah, it could cost them dearly is, a, uh, is actually a nice way of putting it. I'd say that out of every conference, uh, the Big Ten has made a fool of themselves. I think that that when they first came out and said we're not going to do the season uh, a day after releasing the schedule and getting everybody excited it just showed that they didn't know what they were talking about they had no idea uh what what they were actually going to do and they were trying to kind of be the first the first conference to shut everything down i just don't think they understand how the rest of the country especially the south views football 
And there was no way that college football wasn't going to happen. I thought even for a little bit it might not happen. But now seeing these, uh, seeing the stadiums of like actual fans being at like yep. Tennessee games, uh, there was no way it was going to ever, you know, get canceled. And now they're trying to rush together a schedule to try to get a team into the playoff. And you know, the the only the only people this benefit is is Nebraska because they were going to get the doors blown <laughs> off them again. Too. <laughs> that's twice. <that's> <laughs> Wow, the rivalry I didn't know existed. Well, I didn't either yeah, until right looking, now. <laughs> if your rivalry weekend gets you know ruined, we could just fly Matt down there, and then that could be the rivalry. Uh, no, it's unfortunate. Obviously, I, I want to see football, especially given how Wisconsin looked, and they you know appear to be a front runner in the West, like they seemingly are every year. Um, but we'll see what happens. I don't want to spend too much on that because there's a lot we don't know and how they're going to move forward. But we'll just appreciate any games that we get from the Big Ten and any other conference. Although I got to add, you know, you mentioned the Big Ten kind of, you know, not knowing what they're doing and embarrassing themselves. That goes for the Pac-12 too, but no one really takes them seriously. Yeah, they have football teams in the Pac-12? <laughs> 9 a.m. in one week. Can't wait for it. Local time, 9 a.m. USC, Arizona State. But until then, let's look at the board now. Money Mitch Effect, Matt Gother joining us here. And Matt, some would say that this isn't the strongest slate of college football games, but where there's an opening, there is opportunity. We mentioned you're going to Vegas. You're no stranger to a board that doesn't look great on the outside. And I understand that you have a, uh, maybe not foolproof, but close to foolproof plan to uh, exit Vegas, a, a very big winner. Absolutely. And if you want to follow along, I am taking, you can buy my picks. I am selling them all for five ninety nine. dollars uh, I'll, I'll drop my Venmo in the... Uh, What's in the whale the, pick? Yeah, What's the, the whale, whale pick? The can't lose absolutely flawless parlay that isn't a parlay because I'm going to bet them single games, but then just keep letting it ride. Uh, you know, I'll just start it. You know, we look at we look at Hawaii and Wyoming on Friday night. I'm getting in Friday afternoon. What better way to start a Vegas trip off than getting a little action on a late night Hawaii game? Wyoming seems like they have everything going for them. It's at home. That altitude is actually something that isn't going to be great for Hawaii. Hawaii's coming off a win. Wyoming's coming off of a loss. Seems like some sharps on Wyoming. And that's why I'm all over Hawaii. Hawaii, for sure, is going to come through in this game. I don't know exactly how, but they have a great defense. They're actually able to run the ball. It's like a completely changed uh, Hawaii team. And I love them. I love Hawaii. That's the other thing about this parlay is I'm betting on all the teams I love. There's no analytics in this. It's just three teams that I'm letting it ride. Just of, um, there's just a lot of love in it. Yeah. And, and how can you lose when you have as much love as I have for these three teams? So we're going we're gonna to put a $400 bet on Hawaii minus one. Uh, if it's minus one, I might as well just take the money line because, you know, I, it could be close. So $400 on Hawaii. And then we're going to let that roll in the next morning to our 9 a.m. Michigan State versus Michigan game. If you look at the board, Michigan State is plus 11.50 on the money line. We're going to take that $800 that we now have, and we're going to drop that on the plus 11.50 money line for Michigan State, who I honestly think is going to win this game quite handedly. And after I win uh, you know, $8,000 off that, we're going to let it all ride on Iowa minus 2.5 in the afternoon slate against Northwestern. Again, all three of these teams are teams that I love. They're all actually probably going to lose, but, you know, got to let it ride when you're in Vegas. I'll sell that How for $500. Do <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I need to respond to uh, a couple of the statements I just heard. 
Uh, let's start with Hawaii, Wyoming. Um, I actually, I actually like this pick. Uh, I like Hawaii here. The Todd Graham era. I actually didn't see the game last week, so my question first is: Was he still wearing that, you know, Tiffany Mall singing uh, microphone that he wore? I don't know. You know, he wore that at Arizona State, where he had like the side mic, like he was singing in malls in the 1980s. No, he's wearing like a bamboo chain. It's like a bamboo chain that's like this massive. Uh, it's this massive thing. It's hard to see anything else he's wearing. I uh, I like the over points for the game more than anything. It, you know, looking at it, it's about 59 and a half. Both teams scored in the 30s last week. I know you said Hawaii runs the ball, but I think uh, maybe it would give you some stress. But I think Wyoming is going to score, maybe score early, and then Hawaii is going to have to revert to the Rainbow Warriors that we know and love. So I actually like the point total in this one. I love that. Over in Hawaii games is never a bad bet. Even if you lose, it's still not a bad bet because we've seen so many of those games. And 59 is kind of low. Yeah, it is. I and mean, they've hit overs in the third quarter in games that we've watched and both had money on. So we do love that. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan, you had me until you said quite handily. I got I to gotta admit that <laughs> off the record. Um, look, there's this is a rivalry game, and, and, and I know you, and I know the fact that regardless of what you tell me, and regardless of the plays that you do make, you're going to make the smart bets too. So I know and I do think that there is value in getting the points here. It's 23, 24 points is a lot, even for a Michigan State team that, you know, came off of uh, what they came off of last week. Michigan winning in primetime, you know, they are kind of feeling themselves. And Harbaugh beats up on teams that are subpar, but it usually happens the most after a loss, after a crushing defeat. So this might be the Michigan letdown game. I'm not I'm not picking them to lose, obviously, but 23-24 points could be worth something. Yeah, the only thing keeping me away from that is I can't be happy that we only lost by 23 to Michigan. So it's kind of one of those like I feel I'll feel gross doing that, but I do think that, you know, it's uh you, you look at Michigan State and what did they have to play for? They just lost to Rutgers. Like this this is now the biggest game of the year for them. And for Michigan it doesn't mean anything. So it's kind of here we are again, uh, Michigan State versus Michigan. It seems like it's the same story every time, but it's definitely not a smart. I, I, I would advise people there are definitely more value plays on the board if you don't have uh, your blood, sweat, and tears in the Spartans or Wolverines. The Northwestern Iowa bet is confused the right word. I, I just want to talk through this one because, because I, I watched a, a decent amount of that Iowa game last week, and given everything that's happened in the offseason for Iowa – I don't like the ramifications of this year. Now, I think at home, Northwestern, who played Maryland, which was basically like having a JV scrimmage, I think this game, I think this game, I should say, has the most unpredictable outcomes in my mind. I really don't know what Northwestern has against a, a quality opponent. And I honestly, Matt, don't know if Northwestern is or Iowa is that quality opponent. So for sure, I'm staying away from this one. Yeah, I think the only reason that I am drawn to it outside of obviously my allegiance to Iowa as my hometown is it's going to be at home. It's coming off of a rough loss. And I think that, you know, it's not like Iowa looked like a broken team out there. They were actually in the red zone quite a bit uh, and a couple turnovers here and there totally changed the game for them. So I do think that this is granted Northwestern does give them some some problems. Uh, There are definitely worse matchups for Iowa out there. That's true. That's true. I think Iowa's backs are already against the wall because they can't have a disastrous season. And that Purdue game was rough, especially down the stretch. Uh, I'll give you one off the uh, off the top that I like in the noon slate, a game that I'm, I'm looking at. 
and uh, that's Kansas State, West Virginia. Do you have a feel on this one before I, I let you know where I'm leaning? You know, personally, I think that West Virginia's defense is putting up some numbers that are a little bit oversaturated. And so that's why I would lean Kansas State here. Now, I know that is a square play. It's a road dog or, you know, it's road dog. They're ranked. Of course, that screams trap game. But uh, I would lean Kansas State in this one if I had to make a play. Well, what are you thinking? Because I feel like you're, you're a lot more confident than I am. I am confident, and I do agree I like Kansas State, even though it screams square play. I think the, the scent of Kansas State is that week one loss to Arkansas State. I mean, if they, yep. if they wouldn't have looked so bad week one, you know, what would this line be? Because they're undefeated in conference play since, and I do think West Virginia – I do think their defense isn't as good as it appears to be. So I think this could be a statement game for Kansas State. And honestly, the way the season has gone, the way the Big 12 has gone, this is a game for Kansas State to kind of just vault themselves back a little bit into the national discussion. So I like Kansas State in this one. I know it, it's it's not where all the money is going, but sometimes you got to think outside the box. I think it'll get a play for me. That's a it's it's hard to hard to bet against a. Uh, a good team that's getting points slash plus money. Puts three and a half, you know. I guess three and a half is not that much in the Big 12. Let's go with my lock. My, I shouldn't say lock because there's no such thing as lock. But you know I'm going Ohio State minus 12. Uh, I, I I love that bet. I mean, I don't, look, this game is a whiteout when Penn State gets it every other year. Obviously, we can't have that anymore, and that makes a real difference. I feel very good. <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say it. Penn State starting I, running back, not playing as well. I like it a lot, man. I think I think there's multiple plays that could be made on this game. Uh, and I think that as long as that number stays under 14, I'm interested in it. I know Penn State has kept this game close in the past, but this is just a different year. Ohio State's defense, you know, I think they still have a couple things they need to figure out. But uh, when you watch that full game in its entirety... I don't think Penn State really has a chance in this one. I think they're a little bit inflated uh, on the record. But when I look at the over-under at 63.5, this is a Big Ten football game. Like, I don't know the last time. I, like, in any other year, if I saw 63.5 on Ohio State mm-hmm. versus Penn State, I'm smashing the under. So what I would suggest is this could be a really good six-point teaser area and tease that mm-hmm. over-under up to 69.5 and, and then tease Ohio State down to six. Six points because it's currently 12. So then you get yeah. Ohio State minus six and the under anything under 70, you're winning. I kind of, I, I do like that play. That's a very good play uh, because as it stands right now, I mean, we think Ohio State gets their share of the points. It's just will Penn State get their share. But if you can tease it up, that kind of takes that decision out. I like it. I like it a lot. If we're, you know, if we're going to do teasers, I'll just throw one at you that just stood out at me. Because um, we're going all over the place, but that's how we like it. Um, here's a teaser I like: North Carolina down to one point. Oh, I love it! I love Just it. Just win the game. I mean, I go seven points. They've been shaky. Even the Florida State game, they had to really fight to to win. To, they didn't win, obviously, uh, recently. But you know, they've had to get back to you know, kind of being overhyped a little bit. But just get that down to one. I think they win this game. I feel I feel a little weary about them covering a touchdown on the road, but back down to one no problem oh i don't i honestly gave out uh north carolina minus six and a half is my best play this week on uh on mad bets because when you look at virginia they struggle extremely on offense and in every game that they've lost they've been trailing by at least 14 points and so if you can get that at six and a half 
you know, I, I know it seems like a trap play, and with your teaser there, obviously I love that. Uh, but I really like North Carolina in this spot, and I'm excited to play that game because as long as it doesn't go, if it goes to seven and a half, it's going to change my mind a little bit. Uh, but if you can get that number under seven, man, I I really like the Tar Heels. Do you? Before we go on, do you have any teams? Kind of a segue for some games that we might be a little too afraid to touch or tempted to touch. Do you have any teams that? have proven to be a little too volatile for your liking, maybe have spurned you in the past and, and hard to get a read on? Because I got one I'm looking at in particular that fits that bill. The tough one for me is I really, my bo- like my mind wants me to take LSU minus three, but I've been burned by both Auburn and LSU this year. And yeah. I think that that for me is definitely a stay away, uh, no matter how much I really want to kind of take LSU in that game. Um, that would be the one that sticks out to me the most. Notre Dame for me. I just, yeah. I, <laughs> Notre Dame. Uh, last week uh, did not make that play, unfortunately, on Pitt. Thought about it after Louisville, where they you know, were lucky to win that game. Actually got a little bit of uh, some home cooking, if you ask me. But yep. there is, uh, there is uh, a team that's pretty volatile. And, you know, they're gearing up for that Clemson game, which uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Clemson's kind of, you know, gotten to the point where, it's actually worse than Alabama because Alabama and, and even Ohio State, they'll have some tough tests in conference. Do you find value in Clemson anymore? Because it just seems like every week the lines are, are pretty ridiculous, pretty ridiculously high. And I don't put a lot of the trust that they're the first half covering machine that a team like Alabama is. Yeah, after, after Georgia Tech got absolutely obliterated in the first half, uh, it seems like the books aren't letting it happen. Uh, and the hard part with Clemson is they're so good that it's it's really a bet on Clemson or stay away for me. Uh, I, I really enjoy watching that team. 31, though, it makes me wonder what is the first half line going to be against Boston College? Because Boston College is like they can show up and play a little bit of defense, but I don't know if they can. They're obviously not going to compete with Clemson. If that's in the under 21 area, I think that that might be worth a play for the first half. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I think that Boston College being that tricky uh, opponent makes me want to stay away from this one. Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech just fit the bill of a team that could get obliterated fast. Just how they play, if it's not going well, you know, they don't. I mean, realistically, Matt, we know these teams don't even really have a puncher's chance of beating Clemson. But to even stay competitive and stay close in terms of what the spread is, I just I just don't see it. Um, and speaking of not seeing it, <laughs> speaking of not seeing it, as I, as I segue here, I'm not seeing it for the Longhorns this year. I know they're playing Oklahoma yeah. State, and that line's minus four. Gundy's owned the Longhorns. And, and if you want to be safe, you can tease Oklahoma State to an underdog. But I, I, Herman's on borrowed time, in my opinion. They don't tackle anybody. Ellinger is the entire offense. I, uh, I like the Cowboys here at home. I like the Cowboys too. I mean, the the problem for me is I've been on the wrong side of Texas this entire year. So if I'm betting on Texas, you know, we're missing field goals against Oklahoma. If I'm betting against Texas, we're blowing Baylor out uh, of the stadium. So it's, it is tough for me to get a real vibe on this game, but I would definitely go with Oklahoma state here at home minus three and a half. feel like that over under is a little bit low at 58 and a half. Uh, could easily see that one getting up in the sixties. Yeah, that that probably is a smarter play here. Um, and speaking of not smart plays, but 
I guess we should talk to this. We talked about Michigan State. Is there and in your love for that money line there? Is there a money line double digit that maybe you're thinking is worth it? I wouldn't say maybe more realistic, but has a chance to come through because it seems like we've seen it. Every, we've seen it every week where there's double digit dogs that went out right. Yeah, and you know people are gonna call me crazy, and that's why I am myself, and that's why I am me. Uh, but Kansas first half money line. Uh, against Iowa State. Ooh. Iowa State is Iowa State's a solid team. They're a 28 and a half point favorite for this full game. Here's the thing, it's on the road. Iowa State is kind of like Iowa where they play up to the competition and they also play down to the competition. I could easily see this being a game where Kansas kind of jumps out early. We've seen Kansas jump out early a little bit in this season so far, and Iowa State has struggled. I mean, let's not they have not had a perfect season. I really think there's some value on Kansas first half. I don't think they're going to win the whole game. But I do think that I might play some uh, money line on Kansas uh, first half against Iowa State. So I see two teams that should be an upset watch this week. And this is me hedging myself for when at least one of them gets killed. But I think that there's two teams that yeah, I would give the, the tribute to Lee Corso, the not so fast, my friend. Uh, one in the Big 12. Are we sure Oklahoma is going to go into go into Texas Tech and just handle business? No. Because Texas Tech's record is misleading. They should have beat Texas. They've had some some just terrible turnover luck. They've had a lot of self-inflicted wounds. But I don't like Spencer Rattler. I don't like their defense. And this uh, this appears to be a, a, you know, a, a rough sledding year for Oklahoma. So that's the first one. I like that. I'm You know, you and me both are kind of out on Rattler. I just... We're out. We're out on Yeah, it. we're and, out. And maybe it's because we've been spoiled by what they've had at the position. But he is going to turn the ball over in this game. So what Texas Tech does with it, if they turn it over right back, that's one thing to say. This one might be uh, might be a little more froggy for me. I don't know. But are we sure about a team such as Texas A&M? Because they're playing Arkansas, and Arkansas is not bad. They got probably one of the best defenses in college football, which is kind of a hot take, but yeah. I like yeah. it. They got screwed in that Auburn game. You know, that, that just oh. absolutely happened. If that's if let me ask you this if that's if that is a FCS team that runs that play I think we both know that's that's going to be called a fumble, but since it's Auburn you know we gotta we gotta help them out. My other big thing with this game in particular, uh, no disrespect to Arkansas, but this is more of a how do I say it Jimbo Fisher game because we can yep. just look at the last couple of years Texas A&M even back to Florida State. And I think we could all, you know, find at least, you know, at least one, I'll say. There's always that one game for him where the team just doesn't have it, doesn't show up, and uh, is upset. He, he's, not, he's not a no-nonsense, take-care-of-business guy. It was nice that they had that win over Florida, but I wonder, too, what that's going to mean for, you know, how they're going into this one. Yeah, I really like the uh, the under, or I actually really like the under fifty four and a half in this one. I think it could be a lower scoring yeah. game if if Arkansas is going to keep it competitive. Uh, I do believe it has to go under fifty five points. So Matt Gather, Money Mitch effect as we make our way through the college football odds this weekend. What else stands out? We've covered a lot. We we've we've saved a couple, saved some meat on the bone. What else stands out? Well, let's talk. I think that we need to talk about Boise State versus Air Force. Because mm. Air Force, Falcon you know, Bowl. exactly, exactly. And I think Boise State, you know, if they're going to make a statement in the Mountain West, which they usually do, I, I think right now after one week and, you know, seeing the past, 
it'd be hard to think of anybody else winning that conference other than Boise State. So is 14 points enough here for uh, for a run a mainly running team in Air Force? I like Air Force. They beat the they beat Navy horribly and uh and I needed that. They were plus 200 underdogs in that game. I don't know if necessarily that this matchup works out for them the same way. I don't know 14 I think I think 14 is too little. I would take Boise State on the road. Yeah, points I agree. Don't think they have the money line in them, but yeah, for sure. Air Force can play these teams tough. I, I like that one. Over-under is just at 49 right now. Man, that Ugh. is it. In 2020 with college football, that is that that definitely fits the too-good-to-be-true mode for me. Um, Alabama, we didn't get to. 33-point favorites against Mike Leach at home. We always got to start with the first half line. You wonder what that's going to be as we record this on Wednesday, but I'm thinking about 24, 21-ish. I don't Man. know. Man. <laughs> It's a tough one. I know we love it. I know we love Alabama first half, but there's something about this. It just kind of reminds me of the old Miss game where you're going up against a team that, that wants to be offensively aggressive. I know they haven't necessarily shown it the last couple of games, but Alabama's defense has some issues. They have some major issues. And when you're betting on the first half of these games, you need to make sure that especially, let's say this is 31. So you think it's going to be 17, 17, 20, um, you need a pretty good, you need a pretty solid performance by the defense and, right. and also dominant. I, I, I don't think I'd take Mississippi state, but I do have some, some worries about Alabama. My strategy is I think a plan for us is we sit this one out. We come back in two weeks cause they're off next week and we hammer first half in Baton Rouge against LSU. Oh yes. That I like that. I'm already on that. That like, I want to place that bet today. Well, I don't think we can just yet, but we, we should hope for LSU to win that game. The LSU-Auburn game, I mean, we, we talked about that a little bit, but Auburn opened as a two-point favorite. It flipped to three. I'm not touching this game. I mean, if, if I wanted to bet in this one, I'd look at the over-under and think points are going to be scored, but these are two flawed teams, teams that have had their issues. LSU's got the quarterback situation as well. I uh, definitely don't, don't have a read on that one uh, as well. As the one I wanted to get to before I forgot while I, uh, I have you here is a team that's trendy, making maybe that playoff push. Cincinnati, four-point favorites. Actually, it's up to about six and a half right now against Memphis, a Memphis team that absolutely broke my heart against uh, Central Florida, but we won't get into that. But Cincinnati, everyone's loving them. They love the defense. They love Fickle and what he's done there. How are you feeling about the Bearcats? This game just screams, I'm going to pick the wrong side of it. I'm going to watch the exactly, other team right? throw, no throw touchdowns. No and way. Kent's going to text me about what high school or middle school the guy scoring the touchdowns against me went to. I, that is what this game is. So I uh, this is a stay away, man. I, I think I don't even know where to guess. I guess I would take the seven with Memphis, right? If you're going to bet it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, this is a, uh, I agree completely that, I'm probably going to pick the wrong one, but I think I'd feel good teasing either side. <laughs> you could give me either side in a teaser. I'd be like, sure. Yeah, actually, six points one okay. way or the other. Say, say you did a six point teaser in this one. You could even do a seven point and get it minus one thirty. Bump Memphis up to plus fourteen, and then bump the under down to uh, to four. What is this going to be? Forty eight. And all of a sudden, I think uh, you're catching Memphis with fourteen points. Over 48 is very doable. Um, 
that would be, I guess, my play if I had to make one on there, but I, I probably will stay away from that. Loving those same-game teasers, man. I, I think you might be onto something there. Uh, anything else in college football? Anything this week standing out? You know, I'm not going to lie and say that, that that's it. You know, there's a lot There's a lot out there that I think is fun. You know, Coastal Carolina, uh, minus three against Georgia State. They've been a really fun team to bet on. It's hard to, hard to not bet on them. BYU, first half uh this weekend against western kentucky that's exciting i think that there's a real live dog in charlotte catching nine and a half against duke uh i mean man we're so blessed to have college football for the time that we do i really didn't believe we'd have it and uh you know is it the best slate of games is it is it the sexiest no is it college football absolutely and that's one of the best things about 2020 so far that's my little monologue Oh, yeah. It's a great monologue. It's a great. I'm giving you a standing O right here. Uh, as I uh, as I look, uh, you know, kind of forward down the road, is there any future bets you're, you're thinking about making when you're in Vegas? You know, Heisman, championship, anything like that? You know, I don't know if I'm going to... There's not really anything to do with the Heisman because I think Lawrence pretty much has it, right? Like, it, it, I don't know. Unless he uh, suffered yeah, some massive it's injury. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him. Oh, you got the fields. You still got some fields love. Is that what, is that what I'm sensing right now? I think, I think that it is possible, but it's going to be tough for him. The number of games thing, especially, but yeah, it looks like it's Lawrence's year. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess the playoff bets are kind of good. I think you could find some value there because honestly, like we're, we're, you know, I didn't even bring up the AP poll because we're looking Alabama. We're looking Clemson. We're looking Ohio state. I mean, there's just such a talent disparity, it seems, from those three and everybody else that I wonder, you know, if you have a read on the fourth team, I mean, they're value for anybody. Georgia, Notre Dame, I mean, whoever it may be. Yeah, and, and you know, last week there was so much value on Ohio State. Uh, if I was in Vegas, I would have put quite a bit on them at just minus 200 to win the Big Ten. I mean, that that to me was a ridiculous number, especially now with what Wisconsin's going through. Um, I'm not quite sure what the live line is for them to win the Big Ten, but I think after last week we saw that that is uh, without a doubt probably going to happen unless, God forbid, Michigan wins. Um, but God I don't forbid. think that's that's what we're looking at. I, You know, I, I think that I'm going to... 2020 is such a tough time. Like I just said, I don't know when... I don't know if we'll for sure have a full season. So putting in a future bet, I think there's other value out there for me. Yeah, just betting every every single game. That's the value. Uh, Every single Matt Gothard. one. <laughs> yeah. Matt Gothard, Money Mitch Effect. Uh, this was fun talking college football. Last thing in the NFL games, just uh, on the way out, that you that you think scream great value. Yeah, I mean, everybody's on the Tua hype train this week, and I, I've already tweeted this out, but uh, everybody wants the Dolphins to do well. But the Lakers won the title this year. The Dodgers just won the title. I'm on the L.A. hype train, and I believe that they're about to steamroll the Miami Dolphins. And I don't know how this is only three and a half. I mean, maybe four uh, for the Rams against the Dolphins this weekend. But that is not fair at all. I think the Rams are going to smoke them. So, obviously, you should go right now and put your money on the Dolphins' money line because I usually end up looking like a fool when I say stuff like that. But I'm very confident in, in the Rams. And I also like the 49ers to upset the uh, Seattle Seahawks as well. Wow, that's that's a good, that's some good insight, some NFC West talk. Um, I guess looking at the line, not really you know as betting savvy in pro versus college, but 
Chiefs are going to cover 19 against the Jets. It's happening. Le'Veon Bell to score, that'd be a good prop. I bet you can get that at even money. Now, how many Le'Veon Bell jerseys do you have now? He switched teams quite a bit. You know, uh, no comment. I have no comment on that. <laughs> no comment, no comment. Well, I guess the last question, the only thing left to ask is, can you parlay can you parlay a Michigan State win over Michigan with what Kent's golf score is this weekend? Ooh. Hmm. You know, I'm I'm actually, this weekend, I'm taking a break from, from all the things that stress me out and sometimes hearing about Kent's golf scores uh, stress me out. So I'm just taking a step back, not even thinking about it, and uh, just going to enjoy, enjoy a nice little trip to the, uh, to the desert. Same. Well, enjoy your trip to the to the desert with your family. It should be a, uh, a fun trip for you and hopefully a profitable one, to say the least. But uh, we'll be definitely in contact over these games. Matt Gothard on the Money Mitch Effect. Follow him on Twitter, Maddie underscore genius. Check out Mad Bets and the, uh, the Gold Rush picks as well. Uh, doing big things over at Yahoo Sports. But thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Anytime, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right, huge thanks again to Matt Gothard for coming on and breaking down the entire college football board just about. He's doing some great things at Yahoo Sports for Matt Betts to check all that out. You never know. You never know. Michigan State might be able to pull it off. Stranger things have happened in the world of college football. But thanks again to Matt Gothard for coming on the show. All right, now let's check in on the pro game with Ryan Souls, who's calling in from Chicago to break down another exciting week of NFL football that saw the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. Tom Brady is uh, electrifying. Antonio Brown is now a buck officially. We got a lot to break down there. Let's hear what Ryan Souls has to say about pro football on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, back on the Money Mitch Effect. We got NFL to discuss. A lot has happened. A lot more to discuss. Let's revisit some predictions and thoughts. Ryan Souls now on the show. Ryan, thanks for coming back on the Money Mitch Effect. Man, happy to be here. I'm happy we've made it. Basically, just a little over a quarter through the season, and based on just the year we've had, I'm happy we've made it a quarter through. Yeah, it's been a little dicey at times. There's been some games rescheduled, some shuffling of the deck, but uh, we, we got to a point where we feel pretty good. We feel pretty good with the uh, the league and some teams' abilities to be flexible with the scheduling. Mm-hmm. We're six weeks into the season. There's only one unbeaten team left, and it's coincidentally the team I hate the most. But uh, we can start wherever you want. I wanted to kind of open the table up to you. There's a lot to discuss this week, but what's number one on your mind? What do you think a top storyline is based on last week or the last six or the first six weeks of the season? Rather, what's uh, stood out to you the most if you had to pick one thing? And you can probably guess where I'm going. We can either talk Antonio Brown to Tampa Bay, yeah, or we can talk about just the NFC East as a whole. Well, yeah, we're we're going with the negatives first. I see. Uh, <laughs> Okay, let's just start about uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Antonio Brown signing with them. Since that loss, Ryan, with the Chica- to the Chicago Bears on Thursday night, they've you know looked great. They destroyed the Packers at home. They beat the Raiders. And suddenly now, with the Saints falling back to earth, with the Falcons in a free fall and the Panthers, you know, not quite there, but showing, you know, good signs of promise, suddenly we look at the, at the Bucs as, you know, maybe, dare I say, a front runner in the NFC, not just the South, but in the NFC with how great Tom Brady's looked at age 43. 
But they decided to bring in Antonio Brown. And when they bring in a guy like Brown, Ryan, we're not saying they're bringing him in you know, to help the football field, which obviously with the talent he has, there's a lot of skill there still. But it's locker room we're worried about. So I guess we got to start there. Are you just worried? Are you questioning this decision that the Bucks have a good thing going and they decide to maybe chance it with uh, the ultimate wild card? You know, I think anyone who tells you they're not worried about it at this point, uh, they'd be lying or just extremely optimistic and not trying to throw shade at all. But I think it's just based on um, his history, Antonio Brown's history, and all the stops he's been at, all the way from idiotic things to egregious to flat-out heinous, some of those, the social things he's done, the women especially. So to, to say that, I was surprised is, is kind of yes and no, but the locker room question, you know, I think that this shows that when you got number 12 in your locker room and maybe definitely the, the most important person probably in Tampa Bay in his short time being there, I think with the litany of injuries that that wide receiver group has had combined with Tom Brady's influence, I think even though all we heard were talks about Seattle getting maybe getting him and Baltimore kind of coming up behind that, it's no shock that Tampa Bay ended up kind of just, you know, sneaking in the back door and getting it. Couple things uh, from the football side of it. I think there's definitely room for everybody to eat. We've seen that with not just, you know, Tom Brady teams where he can spread the ball around, but also Bruce Arians last year with Evans mm-hmm. and Goodwin and Godwin. Perriman was was having a big year. They threw the ball to the tight end. So they're a team that's going to throw it a lot, and I don't think that it's going to be like a timeshare situation. You mentioned the health of the receivers. Evans was hurt, and I think that's what started this going, and that he's not you know near 100% at all. And then the guy, Godwin, 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 yeah, Godwin breaks his finger while they were already interested in him, but that's another reason to, to sign the deal uh, from a football standpoint. And I don't want to make any excuses for what he's done allegedly and what he's been proven to do. Uh, Ryan, but this is Tom Brady's. This is Tom Brady being the driving force. So a couple things. One, it's the quarterback. It's just any quarterback saying, "I want this guy," which holds a lot of weight. But it's the all-time greatest quarterback ever. So if there's any situation where Brown's going to succeed, I'd have to think it's this one. Like I just cannot. Th- if it's not going to work with Tom Brady, where is it going to work? Yeah, I mean, it's not really going to work anywhere else if it doesn't work with him and. Arians has already come out on Front Street and said if he messes up one time, he's out the door. So, mm-hmm. And Arians haven't already coached him before, previously as an offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, I, I have no reason to doubt that he's a man of his word, considering what he had to deal with from a, a younger uh, Antonio Brown. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, got him on the way up, though. We'll see if uh, if that relationship will stand the test of time. But, no, I mean, the the Bucks, how Brady's looked at, at his age is just phenomenal. And the defense itself, which keeps getting better, really opened some eyes uh, with how they played against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who were previously unbeaten. But, Ryan, we're starting to see the formula. I mean, it really is. With, with the difference between Brady and Jameis notwithstanding, it's – don't turn the ball over. You know, there, there's a reason why a guy like Brady fits in perfectly because they have playmakers and they have a good defense and a good running game they can rely on. They just can't be reckless with the football and, and allow teams to get back into it like they did last year. Right, and you said it being reckless with the football um, is a huge part of it. And literally since September, that Carolina game where Brady 
through one touchdown and one interception since that game. He's only one. He's only thrown one interception. So yeah. he's eighteen and four on the year, and those four picks came within the first four weeks. So he he's been on fire the last few weeks. Had a really good run since week two, and if he continues playing like this, who knows where this team can go? Considering the way Todd Bowles has the defense playing. I'm not ready to just say division for sure with this team. I know everybody wants to, you know, bury the Saints already, and the Saints don't look as good, but they have the one win already. They still need to get Michael Thomas back, and obviously there's some issues there with what might be happening behind the scenes, but I'm not ready to just hand Tampa the division. I will say they look like a better team than New Orleans at the moment, but we've watched enough football, Ryan. A 17-week season, even six six weeks in, it's a marathon, so... Let's just take a step back. I think both of these teams are going to be in the playoffs, so I think there's a lot of time to sort that race out. Yeah, I think every game matters. And, you know, the Saints, I think it's it's really just going to be about how far Drew Brees can take them. He's looked up and, up and, up and down uh, this season, and I think that they're lucky to have gotten that win over Tampa Bay when they got mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen down the road. We don't. Uh, Ryan, let's talk about the second thing you brought up, the NFC East, because it's unfortunate we have to have a team in the playoffs, right? Like, we're just unfortunately going to have one of those four teams. Man, as as an Eagles fan, I don't want them in the playoffs. Like, I don't want to watch that. Well, I I, I think there's four teams and there's four different, like, settings. There's four different viewpoints, right, of of terrible, of not great years, I should say. If you're Mm -hmm. Washington or the Giants... I mean, Washington, it's, it's unfortunate that Haskins hasn't looked great, and you might be already moving on from him, but you still have a young team there, and the Giants certainly have a young team with some injuries, and, and they're a team that really hasn't done their quarterback, Daniel Jones, any favors with the players around him. But for the Cowboys and Eagles, Ryan, even, the Eagles look like they're going to win the division, but it's a disappointing year. I mean, the Cowboys are the laughing stock of the league right now. So the, those two teams, especially Ryan, I know there there's still a lot of hope, especially in, for Philly to make the playoffs, but it just hasn't been pretty. Yeah, and and uh, talk about Dallas first. You know, I, I'm the first guy that will, regardless if the Eagles are having a good season or a bad season, I'm the first one to rain on Dallas's parade and and take joy in how bad they are. But with the way Dak went down and that cheap shot that Dalton took and just and nobody did anything by the way nobody did and yeah nobody did anything and I don't care that they're second string guys on that offensive line somebody's getting thrown out if this is any other team and you can't I can't even blame this on era if this was any, if this happened on the jet, somebody's getting thrown you, out. You gotta think, right? There was just you, no fight. You gotta think. There was just no fight in that Dallas team, uh, and the deck injury, Dalton going in there. Obviously, there's going to be a letdown there. But Ryan, it's not just the quarterback. I mean, the line looks oh, terrible. Well, not the, at the all. The defense is the worst combination. They're they're untalented mixed with lazy. It seems, and you 100%. can't have a lack of effort uh, at any level of football. So. I mean, I don't know what the floor is for this Dallas team, but, um, I mean, they just have no fight in them. And it makes me think that McCarthy might be one and done. He might be one and done, and I'm going to say this too. Jerry Jones might lose his his coach uh, after that sleepover 
<laughs> and the, uh, the price on Dak, I think, just went up. As Marlo said, the price on the brick going <laughs> up, and I think it just went up. Yeah, I, I do. I obviously we need to we need to get Dak back to health first. I mean, that's the, the first priority. A hundred percent. As far as the Eagles go, I mean, a team that was very fortunate to pull out a win at home against the Giants in a prime time game. Which, by the way, why are we scheduling all these games in prime time? Man, I'm telling. For the last two years, Thursday night football has. I mean, you go look at the schedules on paper. Thursday night football games have not matched up well. We got Monday. I think it's a Monday night or Sunday night. One of the next primetime games. It's Eagles and Cowboys. So, uh, but as far as the Eagles go, Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on this because they've had their issues with receiver, with the secondary, with all the injuries. I mean, my God, they are the most injured team in fall. It seems like every year. I'm going to look at Wentz, and, and, and I'm going to have the same conversation. It's not all on him, and he does make some great throws, but there are some just head-scratching, you know, I almost feel like they're rookie decisions, rookie mistakes made by this guy still. Yeah, and 100%. I just I do not understand why somebody in his fourth and fifth seasons are making these mistakes, and it doesn't even matter at that point who's on the field when you're making plays that you would make against cover two against cover one and vice versa. If you, if you can't determine between the safety in the middle of the field and the middle of the field open, which a lot of his mistakes he's made just coverage mistakes, mistakes running like last week when he's running towards the sideline and throws the football back across his body. Uh, like some Madden play, I don't understand. Right. So it's it's hard to. I, I understand when people say yes, the team is is hugely injured, but even if you have the right guys in there, if you're not making the right reads, those guys aren't going to catch the football anyway. So I just I think there's there's problems from top to bottom here. I don't. I, there's not one trait that fixes it. Guys are old. The defense has been old for a long time. Jim Schwartz was just able to cover that up for a while. So I, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. You try to get better, you get healthy, but these are the same problems that have been going on since they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I, and I have to question some of Doug Peterson's decision making too because it hasn't been mm-hmm. good. So. Uh, that said, they are, you know, at the top of that division somehow. So uh, somehow, I think there's a case to be made, Ryan, that the, you know, that seven wins might win this division. Maybe yeah, Washington six, has a chance. Six, Maybe Washington <laughs> does Washington have a chance with that defense I, I, and just don't I mess think it up. So. Yeah, know, Gibson's a solid running back. You can put, you know, Allen or Smith or somebody back there and just, you know, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio team can just find a way. I mean, it's possible. Uh, but mm-hmm. what a mess that division is. Uh, all right, Money Mitch Effect with uh, Ryan Souls. Um, I want to talk about – actually, you know, right now we'll talk about a division that's very good, and that's the NFC West because that division, Ryan, has four teams that you could all easily see every single one in the playoffs. Uh, the Sunday night game, I think we can start there, Seahawks and Cardinals. The Cardinals have to play an exciting game in primetime. I think that's the rule because every mm-hmm. time they play, it's just it's, – it's incredible. The Cardinals come back and win. The game had everything. It had DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker out of his mind, chasing him down. You saw Kyler Murray show flashes. You saw Russ to Tyler Lockett three times. 
but the Cardinals make the plays at the end uh, behind Chase Edmonds and behind some big Kyler Murray plays to get back into the mix. And at five and two, now we're looking at this team as a as a potential uh, contender. I mean, I was I was skeptical of the Cardinals. They had some losses. They had some you know young immature mistakes, but it's a big win in prime time against the Seahawks. who are undefeated. It is, and I, I had no doubt that the Cardinals were going to be able to move the football. They were going to be able to potentially score points because, let's be honest here, when you get DeAndre Hopkins on your team, he you're guaranteed to get 100 receptions no matter who the quarterback is. So they were going to move the football because he moved the football with Brandon Bean and Brock Osweiler and, you know, nameless other ones before he got Deshaun Watson. So I, I had no doubt that they were going to be able to put up points, but the way they've been able to correct their mistakes from last year with the protection, with being able to run the football a little bit, I have to tip my hat to Cliff Kingsbury. And they don't have it all the way together completely yet, but they've made strides and they've made yeah. improvements. And that you you got to be proud of what you see if you're a Cardinals fan. I think that this game was definitely more about the Cardinals showing fight, showing that they're not just going to be pushed over when their back's against the wall. I think the Seahawks, you know, they, they have these games where it just all isn't together. There's some questionable decision-making. They're going to be fine. You know, 5-1. Mm-hmm. and one. Russ still is, you know, he had some bad picks, but it, that it happens. That defense is not good. No, they're not I'm good. We'll say that. <laughs> they're not good. But if this is how you have to beat the, if this is how you have to beat the Seahawks, they're going to be a tough out, you know. Mm-hmm. If this is what it's going to take because Kyler was was electric in this game, but that offense is going to keep you in it. And yeah, there's issues with with what the Seahawks do. I'm just looking at the rest of this division. The Rams are 5 and 2 and you can argue about what if they have any impressive wins, just the NFC East and the and the Bears on Monday night, but you know, the Rams are a big physical football team that's going to do it the completely diff- opposite way of the other two teams we just mentioned. And that also is kind of how the Niners are built. You know, they might be the mm-hmm. most impressive to me, Ryan. We discussed how they have so many injuries, probably right below the Eagles with the most amount of injuries, definitely at the skill position. And they found a way to get to four and three with third and fourth string running backs with two of their, their stud interior D linemen out. I've been very impressed with the Niners, Kyle Shanahan leading his team into battle and just weathering you know, a, 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 an awful storm of injuries. I think they're, that's going to build them up, build their character up. They're starting to look like that team that made that playoff Super Bowl run last year. They are, and Kyle, Kyle Shanahan is doing a great job because when they lost their defensive linemen and weren't able to get pressure with four guys, I thought they were really going to be in trouble. And what we saw, um, the hype about Robert Salai, I think is his name, yeah. uh, the defensive coordinator last year, I thought we were going to see kind of what happened to Sean McVay in the Super Bowl um, when your personnel changes, when you lose those big defensive linemen to other teams and free agency. And um, they've really uh, strung, strung some wins together against quality opponents, and I got to tip my hat to them. Do you find that Garoppolo and Goff are similar? Maybe not so in their, not so in their actual skill set, but just how they're managed by their coaching staff? It almost feels like McVeigh and Shanahan are in their ear, just like do exactly what I tell you, <laughs> keep it simple, and we'll be fine. A hundred percent. And you know, you know me and my cynical self, and I agree with you a hundred percent. But because you have to say that about those two quarterbacks, how Jimmy Garoppolo 
is not nowhere near first rounder. Yeah. And Jared Goff was the first rounder, and they both get paid the same amount of money, but they take the exact same sort of style of coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, it just is, speaks to is, picking want... quarterbacks is not a perfect science right, at all. Right. I, I just think, and this isn't really meant as shade. I mean, this is a, a on the surface, on the fa- on the face statement. This is what an average quarterback looks like in the uh-huh. NFL, and and that's I don't mean that as shade because if you're the below average, it's significantly worse, and then you really have no chance. So, you know, this is the premium that it costs to just have an average quarterback. Um, I, I'm not ready to say that four teams that all four are in that perfect world scenario can make a division. Just looking at it, we could expect maybe the Bears to fall back to earth. But the Saints and Bucks are both getting in. Like that, that's happening. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not. It would take too much luck and good fortune for all four teams in this division. But you're definitely looking at three, I think. Yeah, you absolutely could be looking at three. I really do. I, I see Seattle 100%, San Francisco maybe, the Rams, and the Cardinals. So between the South and the West. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I mean. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun here, and when Michael Thomas comes back, that that's really when the division race begins in the South. So, is it time? You know, on the heels of talking about the West, talking about the Niners, are we ready to write off the Patriots? Is it that time already? So, I'm not ready to write them off yet, just because we haven't seen a 16 game stretch under Bill Belichick without Tom Brady since 2008. So I think him more than anyone has earned a full season to really get his plan in place. We've seen his teams not play well early. We've never seen them at two and four, but we've seen his teams lose the teams you think they should beat early and struggle uh, so I, I still want to reserve some judgment. I'm not about to say they're going to make a playoff run. But the Patriots so far in the last couple weeks haven't even looked competitive. And that's not a any way of, uh, of a resemblance of a Bill Belichick team. And I expect that to be corrected no matter who's out there. So I, I, I think he's earned that respect. We've got an NFL season where we've been seeing records on the offensive side of the ball with points with points per team per week you know each each sunday it's like we're, we're almost setting another record with how, how the offenses are doing uh-huh. ryan six games 115 points that's under 20 a clip for the patriots just that's not gonna bad. get it done and and when cam's in there the last two weeks he hasn't gotten it done you know we all kind of no. looked at the broncos game as well, he's coming off the COVID list. They haven't practiced. This is just a bad scenario, although it cost me my survivor pool, so I'm still bitter about that. But, <laughs> but here we are, and we, here we are against the Niners. And, and look, the Niners, we, we know that what they're capable of, even with the backups, that them winning this game isn't a shock, but it wasn't competitive. I mean, Cam no, gets benched in this game, and he's missing some throws that aren't even close. So no. I think we, we, you know, it's a, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and everyone was ready to pay him after that Seahawks loss where he threw for 350-plus yards, but it just hasn't been good the last two weeks. And it's the accuracy issues that, you know, unfortunately reared their head last year too. So I got a thought for you slash question, and I want you to give me what you think here. So I think... To me, this speaks to Tom Brady's still remaining greatness that he had and also speaks to Bill Belichick maybe 
being a bad GM for his yeah, offense. Yeah, that's look, we have seen in two situations: Tom Brady last year and Cam this year. The lack of offensive weapons on the outside hurt. No matter if you got Superman back there or the goat. So I think that's kind of been a common denominator here. Look at every skill guy they've drafted. It hasn't been good in the last, what, six, seven years? I mean, oh, a lot of guys, right? you know, it's it's not, it hasn't been good. And I think that's part of it. And Brady having the rejuvenation, I mean, I think that's, you know, you spend 20 years in the same place and you get a chance to go elsewhere, you're going to, you know, you're going to have some bounce in your step. And it is Tom Brady. You know, I don't want to <laughs> compare anybody to that. It almost feels sacrilegious. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think Cam's getting any favors by the, the roster. It's a bad roster. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. And, you know, it Belichick, is. the coach, is having to compensate for Belichick, the GM, and I think that's an issue. Uh, with that said, I agree, the 16-game schedule, the fact that there is seven playoff teams, we keep having to remind everyone that. But they got the Bills this week. The Bills might not be ready to take that next step, step necessarily, but this is a chance for the Bills to put some real distance and knock the, the Patriots to 2-5. and five. And while the Jets are an embarrassment as well, the Dolphins are showing promise too, also going to two zero with the game ahead of uh, the Patriots in the standings. So, I don't, you know, I don't know that they're dead and buried per se, but this year certainly already has the makings and the feels of a lost year. Well, I'll say this about the Bills: with the way that Josh Allen has looked the last two games, going up against Bill Belichick, the defensive coordinator, might be you know a really really grindy situation i i feel that josh allen really had a, a red hot start to the season and has had a skid for whatever reason and i know bill belichick has taken note of that yeah. and is going to do whatever he can to just confuse him and make him uncomfortable because We've seen how good that team can be when Josh Allen plays well. And when Josh Allen plays like rookie Josh Allen, they look yeah. like the same old Bills. Yeah, I just don't know how the Patriots score a lot of points when they've struggled against the Broncos and Niners and now have to deal with the Bills. But we'll see. I mean, this is where mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to see. All right, uh, Money Mitch Effect with Ryan Soles. Uh, AFC North, I uh, kind of mentioned at the top of this, another great division with the Steelers. Defeated 6-0, and the only undefeated team left. The Ravens five and one, and my Browns now five and two. So mm-hmm. here we are at five and two, and it was a nice comfort behind win against the Bengals. Short and sweet of it is. It was nice to see Baker start to play well down the stretch, make some clutch throws. The Bengals aren't a good team, however, and they lost Odell Beckham for the year. So not a lot of good news out of a out of a win. And and I got to appreciate. It. I'm trying to learn to appreciate things more often. It's like a new resolution for me five and two is five and two the wins much like some of the other teams we mentioned maybe not the most impressive you like a team to handle business but i feel like the the loss the loss of odell beckham in the short term you might be able to get by especially some bad teams but he is a difference maker if they are if they are ever going to beat some elite teams ryan that's where they're going to feel him so you know i have my day of mourning for beckham i'm happy with five and two and how baker played but it sucks losing odell yeah, it absolutely uh, sucks to lose OBJ. I think the formula, though, that Stefanski has rolled out, running the football, play action, if they can continue that formula, they can still be competitive. And at this point, at 5-2, and two, uh, you really need to just play decent enough to get into the tournament. And yeah. you have 
way more in, in, of an advantage than you have in previous years. And I know that's not how the team should look at it. Well, yeah, but, yeah, and, and I think getting into the playoffs huge accomplishment, especially because they have the longest drought right now. The, uh-huh. the, the, I mean, look, the fact that they haven't made it and the fact that, you know, the fans are clamoring for it is definitely something to be excited about. But they don't have the makings as of yet, seven games in, as what we call a live dog, a live underdog, because in their two games against good teams, Steelers and Ravens, they got smacked right. around. Exactly. A lot of things could change. There's time you get to play both of those teams again. Um, and, and I also think that's part of a testament to how good they are. I mean, the Steelers just beat the Titans in a very good game, and the Ravens right. only have that loss to the Chiefs. So. Um, this and, and I stuff. think, and I think just the overall division is just really good. And I'll say this about the Bengals: while their record is bad, they got I think their they're, guy. Better than, they're better than any team in the NFC East. And they got and their guy. That's they true. got their guy. Yeah. <laughs> Burrow looked incredible in that game, uh, and that Steelers Titans game. Just wanted to spend a quick moment on that. I think that Pittsburgh definitely let their foot off the gas. We saw the Titans fight to get back into it, but make no mistake about it. I'll admit it, Pittsburgh was the better team for most of that game. And that defense showing you, Ryan, especially early on, that they can you know, overcome a loss of a guy like Devin Bush. It's not easy to do. They did a great job on Derrick Henry, the best job by far any team's done this year. So I come away thinking you know, my, I'm more pessimistic about having to deal with the Steelers because Ben could play better, and that defense looks like they match up well with anybody in the league. Oh, 100%. I mean, that defense looks ferocious. I think that... Derrick Henry is a monster and holding him to only 70, I think it was 75 or 78 yards, something like that is phenomenal. I will say this though, there's some stat about when two undefeated teams meet this late in the year, that that usually goes on to the Super Bowl. So for your sake, I hope that's not the case. (laughs) It's going to be, and it's going to be a fun tournament in the AFC. I, I, I'm, Maybe showing bias here, but it looks like the AFC has got the, the more fun playoff because there's no NFC oh, East team. I, I agree. Uh, the Chiefs still have to be considered the standard bearer. I know they lost that game to the Raiders, but at you know at six and one, and, and really a team with Mahomes coming off of uh, you know the Super Bowl championship, adding Lev Bell to the mix, I think they're going to be a formidable fo- formidable foe. Specifically, Ryan, because the defense is looking more promising. You know, we we weren't sure what we were going to get out of that unit if they can just be slightly above average i mean they still have i mean you know mahomes they put up 40 plus points on the broncos mahomes only really threw for 200 yards they got a a defensive touchdown and a kick return touchdown they get those bonus touchdowns you're not beating them it's just not gonna happen no you're not bonus touchdowns and if they can if they can stay a little bit positive in the time of possession meaning they're playing a little bit less defense that they're even better because playing great defense these days is really playing less defense because your guys are fresher. I mean, how many? So, how important is that one bye? I keep like look at this. Look at the AFC right now: Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas City, maybe Baltimore. Four teams that have a legit chance to get the one seed and then you know not have to play the first round of the playoffs. Oh, it's huge. I mean, I think the the race the, the race that are is already intense at the end of the NFL regular season, but now that only one team in each conference gets that bye. Man. I think the, the strategies, uh, how you play your guys, the, the stakes, things are going to be different. Ready for the Browns to get the seventh seed and have to go to Arrowhead <laughs> to play the two Chiefs <laughs> and then say hey, it was man, fun that last point, I, Hey, you, we watched Tim Tebow beat the Steelers, so you never know, man. 
You never know. Yeah, I think I might know. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, before we look at the slate of games uh, for this week to wrap this up, Ryan, I do want to share just one little nugget of information. We talk about what type of league it is with passes, with you know, with quarterback-driven leagues. The uh, the top five in quarterback yards right now, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Teddy Bridgewater. So with all, the, with all due respect to Allen and Bridgewater, who's on a, a promising Panthers team, the first three guys are all on teams that have one win. Wow. So that's, that's, that's a lot of throwing from behind, I guess. I guess that's what it is. And, you know, it's, it's not establishing the run, which, you know, you, want, you get one to – I mean, Dak was at the top of this list before he got hurt, and the Cowboys were kind of horrendous too. So, uh-huh. yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors in there, but I thought it was interesting. The Falcons are going to have a big decision to make uh, with what to do uh, with that team. But, you know, we, we talked about Multiple it a little bit. Yeah, they're not, they're but... not doing anything right now until they know who's in charge. I think you got to keep it together through the offseason. When that new regime comes in, then they decide. But they will explore. Yeah. Matt Ryan, Julio, it, it all could be on the table. Oh, 100%. And see, I think, it, and I agree with you about the regime. I just think that probably right now, just because of injuries and system-wise, you could fetch a lot more right now for Julio Jones than you can in the offseason. And I think vice versa for Matt Ryan, waiting to the offseason to shop him, you can get a lot as opposed to trying to trade him now. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, but, man, that team is just such a disaster. And uh, my conspiracy theory for the week, I'm calling BS on Todd Gurley being upset. I think he knew exactly what he was doing when he scored that touchdown because he has it in his contract that he is an incentive deal for touchdowns. <laughs> well, okay. So I would believe you if I wasn't – Red Zone just happened to be on that instant <laughs> replay when I was watching. Yeah. And the way – I at least thought about it. He chopped his feet when he realized that his momentum was going to carry him into the end zone. So I think when he knew that he messed up before it was too late, because he was, if you go back and look at it, he's trying to chop his feet and stop himself, but it was like his momentum was going to carry him. It was too late. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying he's proven he could do this in the past. Was it last year or two years ago at the Rams? He he did just that. So, I mean. Man, I don't know. He <laughs> don't know. he he went to Georgia, Indy from Atlanta. I don't know if he wants to walk around that town knowing he did. So, I don't I don't know, man. <laughs> well, the Lions get that win and they get to 3 and 3 and they trade for Everson Griffin today uh from the Cowboys, which what a world, right? Where you're getting traded from the Cowboys to the Lions with a better chance to play and to win. <laughs> and you're back in the division that you used to wreak havoc in. Yeah, his he first game, he's, he's not allowed to play this week, but he plays the Vikings in his first game back. So, yeah, I think that, I think that. that's uh, an interesting one. The Lions at three and three, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be around. I mean, say what you want. I know we've, we've you've got your thoughts on Matt Patricia, but. They're frisky. <laughs> they're hanging in. So yeah, you know what's gonna happen. We do. <laughs> We do. Uh, all right, Ryan Souls, Money Mitch Effect. This was uh, fun as always. Uh, we got another week of football coming up. Um, I think it's already. I already, I had my weeks mixed up before. It's week eight. We've had a lot of you know scheduling uh, snafus so far. So uh, some have. teams are playing their eighth game. A lot playing their seventh. What are you looking forward to this week? Man, I need to take a look at the schedule. I haven't even taken a full look yet. Well, Buffalo the Patriots. Take... Buffalo Patriots was the one I mentioned because it's the last stand for the Patriots. A big game for sure. 
Uh, the Browns and the Raiders are one that I'm looking at because the Raiders are tricky. You know, the Raiders are three and three, and they've had a pretty tough schedule, about as tough as any team in the league. So that's one that I'm looking forward to see if the Browns can back up their win. You know, get a win against some more formidable opponents. And uh, honestly, Ryan, I'm looking oh, forward you know, we, to. We got Steelers Ravens too. Oh, oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's the game. That's a Sunday night game, yeah. Steelers and Ravens well, for first in that it, division it, right now. It should get flexed to Sunday night. It's a noon game. Oh, yeah, that's right. They have you guys in Sunday night. Why do I keep forgetting that? I think I'm trying to black that out of my mind. That's still that. Yeah, they, they need to, we need to trade. That's not fair. I, as an Eagles fan, the Steelers Ravens game needs to be prime time. Well, San Francisco Seattle in Seattle. We remember that was the last game of the 2019 season that got San Francisco that goal line stand that got them, you know, the number one seed and really changed the course of the playoffs. Ryan, I'm excited for one you might not have expected me to say. Rams going to Miami Miami for Tua's first start. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting because I don't know if they should have gone to Tua this soon, but we're going to see if they made the right decision. Well, it sounded like a plan. Flores has done a great job, and they did it at the perfect time, the extra bye week, extra rep of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, these rookie quarterbacks have been great. So Tua's got some uh, some high standards to meet because Herbert looks like he's elite already. And Burrow is playing well too. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm a fan of Tua. I think he's got all the gifts. He's just got to stay healthy. But they feel confident that he can contribute. And I do think maybe there's some teams that should trade for Fitzpatrick now. <laughs> like the yeah, we'll see. We'll see where the Fitzmagic goes next. So, yeah, I'm excited. It should be a fun week. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how everything shakes out. Ryan, pleasure as always talking some football. Who would you say your MVP leader in the clubhouse is right now? I still got to go with Russell Wilson. I think he's the leader right now. Uh, if I was picking though, me personally, I would give it to Aaron Donald. Oh yeah, well we, but... we've yeah we've discussed that. Um, I think Russ is a slight lead over Rodgers right now. Both of them had a mm-hmm. kind of slip up games where you know. Russ's, they were competitive, but he had some picks last week. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, Russ didn't get blown out. But Mahomes is lurking. You know, he's always going to be in the mix there. So uh, I would say those three right now are uh, are obviously the front runners. So anything can happen. And uh, it just seems like it's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, switching of positions in the power rankings there. Ryan Souls, pleasure. Always fun talking football. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. And I'll definitely be talking to you again soon. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, huge thanks again to both Ryan Souls and Matt Gother for coming on today's show, breaking down football. A reminder, you can catch every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect, and it pops right up. And uh, once again, congratulations to the L.A. Dodgers, World Series champions, first time in 88. That 32-year drought is over. They beat the Rays in six games. So props to LA. It's turning into title town fast. Two titles in less than, what, three weeks. So props to them. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page also. I am Mitch Michaels as well as the Money Mitch Effect. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep enjoying sports.